Mr. Brian Perky, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Doing well. Glad you can join us tonight. Uh, I am happy to be here. Sweet. <clears throat> cool. Will Since Brian's have... on, let's just, we want to get down to business and then uh, people can catch up on everything later. Uh, yeah, with Discord voice calls, sorry guys. Uh, yeah. Discord voice calls, you can go as many. Uh, as many people as we can. Yeah. As much as you can talk with up to 100 users at the same time. Oh, wow. If we get yeah. to 100 people, I think we can definitely consider moving to a paid platform. Uh, <laughs> so. uh, they have a uh, thing is uh, they, they limit the uh, video resolution to 720p uh, and the upload limit is like yeah a few, a few megabytes like under 20 megabytes i don't know i would but, think that'd be fine yeah i don't think anyone needs to see a 4k i think i think that would work out great of anyone's face here <laughs> <laughs> there's a yeah, limit yeah it's pretty ugly it's not need to see me yeah you can see up to 25 of your friends at a time, though, even though you have 100 users. I think it's just a limit, you know, for space. Normally. Oh. Well, that's, then that'd be fine, too. Yeah, we'll have uh, to, we'll certainly be considering that. Well, we can, you know, you, uh, you can probably, you know, give it, a, give it a try or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, thanks for being no, I think we'll probably awesome. test it this week, Haven. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I got nothing to do this week at work, so. We'll test it out during work. I'm working from home. It's a good time. So, all right, cool. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, welcome everybody to the first brew club meeting of 2022. Thank you guys for showing up. Um, big thanks to everyone who participated in the brew club secret Santa that turned out to be not so secret at the end of it. I was glad to see the uh, Pearl Haggard make an appearance tonight, Alex. That was by far the best beer name ever. Um, so, uh, again, we kind of just chatting around, but the same thing goes. If there's anything you guys want to see, what ideas that you have that you want us to implement, like cool things that you see other clubs doing that are virtual that you think we should hang out and do, um, let us know. Uh, we're open to ideas, and we want to make this club great for all of us. So, uh, um, sorry, I'm trying to play with chat window so I can see something. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Havo, if you want to go over some details for the uh, the logo contest, that'd be awesome. Yeah, hey guys. So we started this uh, logo that's sponsored by Delta Brewing Systems. Uh, it's basically whatever beer related thing that you want to just put on a uh, you know, on a design, the only requirements are that you include the 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 logos, uh, Delta Brewing Systems, uh, TBC, and Brewlosophy logos. Uh, you can hit me up to get those in a PNG files, and Delta Brewing System is gonna basically make them into stickers. So that's gonna be pretty cool. Uh, we got some submissions so far. But whatever you can think of, you have uh, just a weird drawing or whatever. Um, I know Kate and I wrote some haikus that we're just going to put on uh, on some stickers. 
so yeah, wh whatever you think of, um, just put those three logos in there and uh, submit it, and we're gonna have a vote to get the best ones. Awesome, brew haiku in 2022. That's that's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Um, all right. Havo, are you going to post some stuff back up or you want people just to reach out to you on Messenger or Havo at thebrewclub.com? Yeah. Uh, you can email me at Havo at thebrewclub.com or just, you know, uh, Facebook or whatever works for you. Awesome. Thanks for heading that up, Havo. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you notice all the cool logos that we have right now, all the cool graphics Havo is the guy that does it, so he's not a bad designer in and of himself so um big thanks to Havo for working all that for us um also the other thing going on right now is the experiment series for the tbc members so if you want to get an article published on brosophy.com um it's a pretty cool thing to do it's kind of fun i think most of us are a part of this for experimentation uh anyways that's why we're on the brew club anyhow but uh you can go on there, and there's actually a monthly running of TBC members that get published on the website. I still think, unless Alex has already taken it, there might be one vacancy for January. So if you can get an experiment cranked out by January 27th, um, there may be some room for you to get published on the website for a different um, experiment that you want to do. And as an incentive to get published on the website, for those of us in the U.S. and North America, um, the fan favorite article for the first half of 20 really like the last quarter of 2021, first half of 2022, um, well, the fan favorite gets voted on. And if you're the fan favorite, you will get a Delta firm tank. So how awesome is that? Um, we'll announce some winner. Uh, I think June is when we're going to uh, have all of our people get together and talk about the experiments they did. And so we'll probably announce the winner early July. Um, but then we're also going to do a second giveaway July through December for the second half of 2022. Um, and they're also going to be able to win a Delta firm tank. So if you want to get in on that, which I highly recommend, it was a lot of fun. I published one um, last month, actually. Um, you can get with me, Will at thebrewclub.com, or hit me up on Messenger, or you can get with Alex at thebrewclub.com, um, or hit him up on Messenger, and we'll be glad to help you guys out. Um, also, just kind of a, a fun aside is next month, we're going to have a speaker. I think you might have heard of him on February 5th. His name is Marshall Schott. Um, yeah, I hadn't really heard much about him either, but maybe you guys have heard of him. Uh, but yeah, so he's going to join us next month and hang out and answer questions. Um, I don't know that he's going to present on anything, but, you know, we get the softball speaker of Marshall, which is pretty awesome. Great when your softball invited Marshall shot. So, cool. Um, now, Haven, if you want to talk about perfectly average brews that we're going to talk about. Absolutely. So, in January, we started our quarterly recipe collaboration between TBC members. Um, we're starting out with 18B uh, American Pale Ale. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the posts out there. If you haven't, we're doing, it's a, it's a survey post. Everyone's taken a survey on different parameters for a certain recipe. So we're going to collaborate all that data that we get from all the members. Um, it'll be open for about a month. And once we get all that data, we'll compile it and we'll put it out there for everyone to take a look at. And um, we'll all be able to kind of create a recipe that's similar to each other, but everyone will be able to create awesome. a unique recipe from that. So just helping members get out of their comfort zone, maybe use an ingredient you haven't used or try a technique you haven't used or something. 
Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the link in the survey here or the survey link in the chat here. Um, so if you haven't done that, check that out. Um, this quarter, like I said, we're doing American Pale Ale, and I actually reached out to Brian a couple months ago, and Mr. Brian Perky and Lalamond were very very generous and donated a bunch of sachets of BRY97 for us to use for this one. So I've I think I have over 40 responses for the survey so far. Uh, plenty of them are, are getting that free pack of yeast. There's just a little question in there that you answer yes to. Put your name in there and I'll send you a free pack of yeast. I'll get with you and get your address eventually. Um, and we're going to use that yeast for this brew so we can all you know benefit from, from the generosity of Lalamond and try out a new yeast. I I personally haven't tried that yeast. I've, I've used Lalamond products forever and I've I've never tried BRY97, so I'm super excited. Um, is that is that the is that the one I sent you? I didn't send you uh, lager and Kolsch. Uh, yep, you sent BRY97 and then the cold strain as well. Okay, all right. Yeah, so I th I think spoiler alert. I think that's going to be our next our next. Dude, uh, it, it it all blurs together. My apologies. <laughs> no worries. No, I get it. <laughs> no, I yeah. Brian was super generous sent us two boxes of yeast and we're going to send it out to to members to use for these these average brews collaborations um we'll all get to talk about it see our recipes see the beers and and have a little bit of fun get out of your comfort zone and brew something maybe you wouldn't brew normally so um take that survey if you haven't yet if you're interested in brewing this beer with us um but we got about a about a half a month left and then i'll release the data and we can all get our our brews going ingredients ordered and and everything rolling Awesome, awesome. <clears throat> so I think that's about it. Will Ohavo, Alex, anything else? Nope, I think that's just about good. Awesome. So let us turn it over to Mr. Brian Perky and hear what he has to tell us. <clears throat> Lots. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> happy Saturday, y'all. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, I've got, uh, uh, I've got my computer camera and then my monitor here and I'm super, I'm old, not super old, but I'm old. Uh, so if you see me looking this way, it's just because, uh, I'm trying to see what's, uh, who you are and what's going on. Got a bit of a presentation that I'm going to go through today on nutrition uh and it's a, a key role in uh ensuring healthy fermentation meaning good beer uh but then uh i'm here to answer a shit ton of q a at the back end uh about whatever it is that you want to yammer about so uh i'm happy uh happy about that a little bit of background i started uh, brewing professionally in 1992 at Bridgeport Brewing in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I started uh, uh, my interest in brewing comes from growing up uh, uh, as the son of a moonshiner. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I spent a little time around the still with uh, my dad and my uncles in the barn. Uh, and, uh, as a young adult and, you know, wandering lost and aimly, aimlessly, I, I landed at Bridgeport and immediately just 
fell in love with the art, the craft, the science, and the community that was or is brewing. Uh, so five years Bridgeport, five years full sail, five years full sail, and five years with Bridge the with Golden Beer Group down in the Bay Area. Uh, came back home to the Northwest. California sucked. I hated it down there. Uh, <laughs> came back uh, to the Northwest. Uh, spent a few years with Y East Labs. Uh, got uh, picked by Muntins to go to work with them for a few years. Um, uh, spent a little time doing uh, cider uh, with uh, the guy that sold Crispin to uh, Miller Coors and started his own gig. Took a head brewer job with Thunder Island, and I've been with Lollman now for the last five years. So pushing 30 years in on this uh this thing uh and it's been a shit ton of fun and i wouldn't have it any other way so uh and half that fun you know i my and my time home brewing has been really minimal uh you know a few short batches uh i really played around with short batch uh hard ciders uh, that's where I had a, a, a lot of fun. One, because I live in Hood River, we're Fruit Valley up here. So apples and pears and the stone fruits. I mean, we've got a boatload of them. And, and honestly, there's more free fruit than you can, you know, you could ask for. Uh, uh, I never lacked for beer for my cooler from work. So, you know, when I do homebrew batches, it's pretty limited. Uh, uh, and that, that holds true uh, to this day. So that's not a slight on what you guys do. In fact, uh, 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 huge props uh, to, uh, uh, to you as homebrewers and beer aficionados that are into it for not the buck, right? So uh, a lot of, <clears throat> I'm going to talk a little bit of shit here for a minute. Indulge me. <laughs> uh, a lot of industry professionals don't like dealing with home brewers because you ask a lot of questions, you know, and, and okay. So if you're not into it, then maybe you're not into answering all those questions. You know, I'm not that type. The reason you ask a lot of questions is because you give a shit you know, and you want to learn and you're passionate about it. Uh, more so in some cases than a lot of the professional craft guys, you know, I mean, just to be flat out honest. Uh, but that's where a lot of innovation comes from. Uh, I mean, we all know and have seen, you know, over the last 20 plus years, what the symbiotic relationship between home and craft has been. So anytime I get a chance to talk to you guys about anything, uh, it just, it's part of, it's part of my passion. It's the, one of the reasons why I still do this. So I love Lollamond. Uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a hoot. Uh, I mean, for, uh, for a variety of reasons, but a big part of it is the team that I get to work with. So a lot of smart people, 
that teach me things daily, you know, and almost 30 years into this gig uh, to be able to um, feel that way about my job. Well, I'm uh, I'm in a good spot. So uh, so thanks, Haven, for the reach out. Dude, all the yeast you want, whatever. You know, I'm happy to slide some of your guys this way, especially if you're doing, you know, collabs or projects or comparative studies or whatever you want to fuck around with. It's all all good by me. Uh, uh, you just get you up just, on that for sure. Yeah, just ask. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so out of the gate, uh, the BRY. So, if you don't know the story of BRY. Um, uh, it's basically the one, uh, one genetic step away from, uh, BRY 96, which is the original Sierra strain. And really you look at, oh, one, uh, 1056 Y yeast uh what's the safale oh five i mean every yeast manufacturer is going to have its variant of that strain so and here's we've got both at siebel so we lalamond these guys we bought we bought siebel these guys oh, see that there uh 20 some odd years or so ago you know and part of that was not only for the school but also for the yeast collection that siebel had amassed since uh its inception back at the turn of the century there's some cool old strains sitting in that yeast bank uh that haven't seen the light of day for a while you know and like lawman doesn't give a shit because you can't really dry it uh, uh pr to produce it out liquid we've been talking with a lot of the uh liquid manufacturers about licensing some of those strains so i see some light at the end of the tunnel there that'll be cool to kind of uh get out um um but this is this is one of the kind of the three uh three tiers that is lalaman brewing ab vickers is the other one we'll talk about that in a little bit but that the in that siebel catalog is uh uh is the bry 96 and the bry 97. thing about making dried yeast is you got to be able to dry it out and have it come back to where it will perform so can't dry everything you know, and unfortunately, right now we're not in the liquid business game. We're in the dried yeast game. Uh, so, uh, uh, so that's why we have the BRY ninety-seven. So neutral ale. Uh, you can pull a little citrus out of it if you uh, if you stress it a bit. You know, great for like West Coast IPAs. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Uh, uh, but that's, uh, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the lowdown on the, uh, the BRY 97. You guys have a bunch of questions about the Philly sour. Let's get to that at the end. In the meantime, I'm going to wade through a PowerPoint, uh, presentation on uh, nutrition. Uh, I'm not gonna spend a boatload of time going through this. 
if anybody wants to wade deeper, uh, reach out to me via email and all that's here in the slides. Uh, and I'm happy to send this to you uh, and answer any further questions that you might have later on down the road. So uh, this is a modified version of the presentation that I did for Craft Brewers Conference 2020. So, uh, so that's where this comes from. Uh, again, pardon me, I'm old. Uh, so I think I figured out how I can share PowerPoint with you all here. Uh, bear with me. But in the meantime, I see that there's, uh, I, you, so you know a little bit about me. Uh, uh, this club, and sorry, are you guys in Illinois? Where are you located? So that's the fun part of this club is we are all over the country. There is no home <laughs> base for this. This was started by Marshall and the Brewlosophy guys. Ah, uh, shit, I think 2017. And it never really became organized until a few months ago. I'm sorry, I, I did see in the chat. Yes, we're worldwide. We have members from everywhere. So nice. we have, we have um, members. I, I think we got our... And we used to have someone from Australia on these. Um, we got a guy in Iceland today on our call. A lot of North American members out of Canada. Um, but yeah, worldwide, we got people from everywhere. I think there was oh, one uh, English one there also. Oh, yes. Yep. We've had some European members join us too. Okay. So for your, your global members, like I've got Yahoo's in uh, all over the place. I mean, we're, we're, in entity we're in 42 countries so but the brewing group is uh is all over so if you're going to do uh if you're going to do a group brew in some way shape or form and you need to get bry 97 into the hands of you know all your uh all your folks here uh just reach out and we can make that happen no problem Might, yeah i will definitely be reaching out we'll talk to between the leadership team and try to figure out how we can do that okay all right let's see here do my entire screen yeah that's awesome thank you see this you see my uh my title page here yeast nutrition yeah Fab. All right. Uh, so that's my uh, that's my email right there down in the corner. Bperky at lollaman.com. Uh, reach out if uh, you have uh, questions or need anything. A little bit about Lollaman. We're a family uh, owned uh, outfit uh, based in Canada, uh, Montreal to be specific. Uh, been around uh, since the turn of the century uh mostly focused on baking yeast at the get-go but we've branched out into a bunch of different stuff uh brewing is uh one of uh 12 uh, uh business units uh within uh within the company we're uh we're 4800 uh employees uh right now in uh, uh nearly 50 countries uh, and, and all we do is uh, yeast and bacteria. 
uh we got into the kit beer business uh back in the uh the 70s 80s uh i mean honestly between you me and the wall and it's a totally different conversation uh the yeast back then was garbage <laughs> uh um we uh we know that now and it's really uh played a role in our ability to sell and market to the craft uh segment over the and home segment over the last uh 30 plus years uh we acquired uh Siebel, uh 20 some odd years ago ab vickers shortly thereafter and then most recently scott labs here in the uh in the U.S. and Canada, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're we're a global outfit serving all facets of uh, any industry um, that uses a uh, yeast bacteria. We get to compete against like Monsanto, Dow, uh, 3M. You know, we bring uh, natural ag uh, solutions as opposed to a chemical one. Uh, uh, and this is something I had no clue <laughs> about when I joined these guys. So it's been a ton of fun. Uh, and uh, uh, specifically within the last, you know, five years or so, we've really added to our dried yeast portfolio. Uh, come at it with a different approach than, uh, than what uh, the company did early on. And we've uh, continued to add to uh, this lineup. Uh, as, uh, uh, as what you see here. So AB Vickers is one of the other wings of our business. Uh, they started off uh, even earlier than Lollamond. Uh, uh, they're based in Burton-on-Trent and uh, uh, were uh, originally uh, Isinglass uh, manufacturer. You know, over the last 200 some odd years, they've branched out to uh, a variety of process aids uh irish moss enzymes uh other uh um, clarifying agents and then siebel uh everybody knows uh this uh this outfit um uh i don't think they knew what they bought when they uh or when we uh, brought these uh, guys on uh but certainly uh uh, in the short term, uh, recognize the value of uh, this outfit and what it uh, means and brings to the community. So built a new campus in the, in Chicago and really revamped the entire platform for delivering, uh, you know, world-class uh, brewing uh, uh, education uh, to uh, uh, well, anybody on any level whether they're here in the states or uh, abroad uh you know really broke down the concise course uh curriculum into specialized lectures you know that so you know my, my my thing was like look if i'm if i'm uh, a hobbyist or i've got a job in a brewery i don't have time to like just quit everything and go get you know, schooled on this, that, or the other. So, uh, uh, so to be able to get educated uh, on uh, um, all brewing processes from grain to glass uh, is uh, is a great uh, 
great recent thing that uh, we've been able to do with Siebel. And then Scott Labs, uh, they've held our knowledge business here in the States since the 70s. So when uh, uh, the Scott family and the Shagnon family, which owns Lollamond, been friends for uh, that long or more. Um, uh, so we picked these guys up a couple of years ago when they uh, needed to sell. Uh, and it's been uh, it's been a great uh, great partnership in getting the North American market fulfilled uh, through their uh, supply chain distribution channels. All right, <clears throat> blah 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 blah. Let's get into the meat of things here. Why am I talking nutrition? So uh, really, where this comes from is uh, hard seltzer. God damn it. Uh, uh, that monstrosity, you know, reared its head here uh, uh, within the last uh, few years. And because of the base ferment challenges that it, uh, that it uh, 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 proves, uh, a lot of the craft guys uh, started to uh, not jump on board, but recognize like, look, you know, unlike you, the home brewer, like you can brew whatever the fuck you want. Like you're not trying to sell it. You're not out for a buck. You know, you're you're appeasing your own palate. Uh, uh, unfortunately, commercially, you kind of have to cater to the market. And not only the seltzer thing, but also the locale. Uh, uh, no alcohol. So, yeah, nab lab no alcohol, low alcohol beers. Uh, these, these base ferments are challenged ferments. So, uh, you know, what we do at Lollamond is not just try to sell you a widget. We try to, you know, teach you what to do and how to solve problems when they rear their heads. So that's where the whole nutrition focus came from ab vickers loved it because they're like all right you know we can sell more of our stuff in the states uh, which we are uh because we got a whole you know portfolio that addresses this concern uh this will also be a fun year for us because of the malt quality issue with the north american crop uh, we can uh, provide a bunch of answers uh, to some of those problems uh but that's where that's really where the idea of talking about nutrition comes from. Uh, what we're going to cover here in the next uh, half hour or so is uh, we're going to talk about the nutri nutritional requirements of yeast. Uh, we'll list the necessary nutrients that are obtained from wort and lack thereof and what we need to address, why O2 is vital, uh, explain uh, a bit about the uptake and utilization of nutrients. And then uh, I want you guys to uh, really understand the impact of uh, glucose reception, uh, repression, sorry. So, uh, and uh, feel free to jump in, interrupt me at any time 
otherwise, uh, take notes and I'm happy to uh, jump back into any of this uh, at the end. So really, uh, yeast, fun critter, uh, doing the heavy lifting for us, right? So uh, design your recipe, scrub your tanks, provide the environment. This is what's getting the work done. Uh, doesn't care about any of that. All it's looking for is food to breed. So wort is food here in this case. Uh, and the sole function of that cell is to make more of itself. Don't give a fuck about your recipe, fancy boy. Uh, what you want to do, yada, yada. Like this is its function. So as long as we understand that and cater to that, then we can uh, uh, count on uh, a happy partner in our brewing. Oh, you know, all this other stuff are byproducts of that function. It wants food. It wants to breed. Here's uh, a very blurry and shitty wheel. Apologies. I need to find a, a higher res one. But really, there's 900 uh, flavor compounds that you can find in beer. 400 of those come from the... Uh, metabolic byproduct of uh of yeast interaction with uh with wort so it's a it's a highly complex thing but simple thing uh at the same time i mean think about this like all at once is a little sugar and some yum uh, so it can breed this is what you get out the ass end so our fun and why we continue to do this is uh the management of that process so uh aside from the basics that we know right so macro elements uh carbon sugar hydrogen water oxygen yada yada uh nitrogen phosphorus potassium sulfur magnesium the micros calcium zinc uh uh, this is the stuff that just like we all need our vitamins, so does our brewing partner, the yeast cell. Uh, this is kind of what the function of those elements uh, 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 provide. Um, you know, there's <clears throat> don't don't misunderstand the importance of a macro versus a micro because they're they're all kind of important not kind of they all are important what am i saying uh the yeast nutrients uh that uh that are coming out of wort you know carbs as this is the big thing right just like we need we need carbs we need food uh yeast is getting it from its uh entire range of fermentable sugars the nitrogen sources mostly aminos and then uh inorganic uh, uh potassium um uh magnesium etc o2 <clears throat> and then yeast foods uh primarily sterols 
uh, and some other uh, uh, trace elements. Again, it's all important. So wort versus beer. So and I just I put the slide in here to kind of show you the the drift of what happens uh, between the two and what the yeast actually does as function. So look at the elimination or the the reduction of uh, carbohydrates. So it's chewed it up and you see what's occurred here is in the uh, uh, the production of alcohol. Now, there's a bunch of other byproducts. We saw that at the at the onset. But this is really what we're after as uh, as a brewer. Um, um, we see a reduction of the nutritional material, minerals, and pH uh, as uh, as well. So. Why is nutrition important? Um, it's the spectrum of the nutrients that's going to deliver on the following. So if you've got a healthy condition, you know, you've got a controlled rate and degree of attenuation, right? So that's your first indicator of fermentation performance. The amount of yeast produced so say you're looking to prop yeast or more importantly, you're doing something in a higher gravity wort. Uh, 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 that can impact um, uh, uh, yeast or, or fermentation uh, uh, efficiency or performance. Beer characteristics, your flavor, the foam, aroma. Uh, uh, all of that is uh, contingent upon the nutritional makeup of your word and yeast flock so one of those trace elements much like zinc is calcium calcium has a huge impact on yeast flock um, um, yeast selection or characteristic aside and uh, malt condition aside i.e malt quality so your carbon source, sugars, uh, your yeast is dealing or not with the bulk of these. Primarily, what we are concerned about with nutrition are these uh, uh, are these hexose sugars. So the so hexose is. Uh, uh, the hexose, the pentose, disaccharides, trisaccharides, uh, the poly and the uh, oligo are really when you start getting into uh, uh, the maltodextrin and maltotriose uh, spectrum. So, and all that comes down to uh, yeast selection, whether or not they can deal with that or not. Uh, this is one of the reasons why diastaticus strains are some of my favorite because they can deal with a lot of these sugars and it, you know and it, it's complex uh, uh these matrices so uh, uh the bell saison uh the 3711 french saison i mean these are some of my favorites typical uh sugar composition worked 
you've got uh, the mono and the uh, uh, disaccharides uh, making up uh, the not the most per se, but the most important when it comes to um, timing of attack, I guess you could say. So starting at the top and working your way down, glucose, fructose, uh, all the way down to uh, maltodextrins. Uh, I talked to you about understanding glucose repression keep this in mind when we get to, to that uh, that topic why is nitrogen important for brewing yeast so uh, a trace element uh, but uh, without uh, sufficient sufficient nitrogen yeast is not going to be able to do uh, its job and really it's because it's linked to some of the um uh metabolic pathways uh, with the cell wall uh that uh, allows uh the yeast to take up uh, uh amino acids and we'll get into that here in a minute some inorganic uh, sources so it's not just zinc nitrogen oxygen that we're uh, worried about uh there's a lot of uh trace elements and oh shit i can grab this that's why i like to use uh uh, uh nutrient blends uh why yeast has a great one uh our yeast life uh extra is also a good one uh, but it gives you uh, uh, some of uh, some of the I hate using the term less important because that's not it. But yeah, some of the uh, 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 trace elements that are required by yeast that honestly you're going to get in your basic ferments, like anything under a 1060, right uh, uh a 15 play-doh i mean you're gonna get the bulk of this stuff from uh your uh your existing uh uh all grain grist uh it's once you start getting into sours philly once you start into anything imperial right above 1060 uh you need to uh you need to start thinking about this so is adding something like diammonium phosphate not sufficient to get all the nutrients yeast needs? No, no. Really? DAP is DAP is an inorganic source of nitrogen. That's it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yep. Uh, it, it's important, uh, but it's one of uh, a variety of of, uh, of uh, nutrients that you uh, you need to deliver. So, so do you suggest and, blending it with another yeast nutrient? Yeah. Yeah, get a blend. Uh, and again, the one that I use like uh, is the nutrient blend from Y Yeast. Uh, you can buy it at get it anywhere. Uh, it's it's uh, it's what I've used forever, and it's provided just consistent consistent results. It's a low it's a low dose. I mean, it's uh. <coughs> What is it? 
Yeah, 11 grams per barrel. Doesn't take much. Oh, wow. Right? So, yeah, and it's just, and that's just it. It's like trace elements. And again, if you're just doing your base ferments, uh, normal stuff, you're making your five and a half percent, you know, pale with the BRY, dude, the DAP is fine. The Servomyces is fine. Like that's, that, you know, that, that's, that's great. But if you start, you start pushing one way or another, uh, a nutrient will help a lot. So, uh, and here's an idea of uh, how nutrients impact a variety of characteristics of your beer, right? Not only from flavor at the bottom, uh, but uh, look at the top, uh, sulfur. Uh, somebody was asking about new lager yeast. Yeah. In fact, we're coming up with one, uh, working with the Renaissance folks uh, to address uh, uh, diacetyl uh, production and uh, H2S. Um, uh, copper uh, as a, uh, a nutrient uh, helps combat that. So calcium, yeast flock, that's, I think that, that, that right there, I think is a whole nother half hour talk. Uh, uh, how you can impact uh, yeast flocculation uh, uh, with uh, with your calcium levels in your water uh, in conjunction with the yeast strain that you're working with. So, um, yeah, trace elements helps. So metals, uh, some of these uh, some of these trace elements. I mean, these are these are some of the factors that uh, that are impacted by that uh, division, flock, structure, growth, tolerance, enzyme activity, and ferment, which you know impacts uh, fermentation performance. So the key minerals in brewing, you know, we, we've we talked about a few key ones here: uh, uh, zinc. Uh, and calcium uh, specifically. So think about uh, think about what the yeast wants to do, and you may want to adjust your nutrient uh, regime uh, uh, based on your end goal. Are you looking to prop or are you looking to ferment? You're producing yeast as your end result, or are you looking to make ethanol as your end result? You know, if you're doing uh, starters or stage growth yeast props. Uh, uh, you might want to focus on uh, uh, the zinc and magnesium over uh, uh, calcium and flocculation, you know, getting it out of solution if you're uh, pushing for, uh, for ethanol. So uh, that's another rabbit hole to, uh, to go down. Magnesium. Yeah, when uh, sorry. When you're pushing for propagation, are you also simultaneously pushing for stuff like ester production now you all okay. your all, when you're yeah when you're doing prop all you're doing is you're looking for mass got it trying to grow trying to grow yeast you're not looking for character out of there which is really what ester is and you can you can uh solicit you know with uh well first and foremost correct pitch rate 
you're not under pitching obscenely unless you want to uh or over pitching uh obscenely unless you want to which one will funk it up or two neutral everything out so uh, uh yeah a different uh, a different approach okay awesome thanks yeah magnesium trace element it's absolutely essential so it's got a direct relationship between uh, viability and vitality it's uh, required for glycolysis so uh, uh, one of the uh, uptake mechanisms for uh, fermentation and it's a stress protectant uh, as uh, as well magnesium versus calcium these two don't necessarily get along uh, uh, although magnesium is important for growth and metabolism, uh, excess uh, calcium in work can actually uh, inhibit uh, the effectiveness of the yeast to utilize magnesium uh, correctly. None of this honestly matters unless you're in production <laughs> and you're trying to uh, improve the efficiency of your flocculation prior to uh, downstream filtration and packaging. So uh, this is where this uh, this uh, uh, kind of kind of matters. You just can't dump a bunch of salts in your uh, water. Uh, add uh, you know add a half a teaspoon of a nutrient and expect all things to uh, to turn out. So uh, they all play well or not together. Zinc. Why is zinc important? Uh, it's a trace element. Uh, yeast use yeast uses zinc uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, it doesn't take much. It's important, um, uh, and it uses it quickly. And I'll get into that here in a minute. So it's important for physiology and performance as a rapid utilization. Sucks it up quick. Uh, it's in. It's a key factor in the uh, performance of the ADH enzyme, uh, which is uh, key for making alcohol. Um, stuck fermentation potential. So lack of zinc uh, will, uh, will leave you with a, with a stuck ferment. Uh, and it's a, also a stabilizer, so membrane stabilizer. Uh, this is why, and it's so important. This is why we came up with Cerbomyces, the first nutrient product that we've had on the market. Uh, uh, and it's, uh, uh, it is the key, uh, essential nutrient in, uh, healthy fermentations. So here's a common myth that maybe you can address. If you have a stuck fermentation, does adding pure zinc help restart that fermentation? No. No. Nope. Uh, so you, you have to add there, it before there, to help prevent that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get it out the upfront because, you know, think about it. Your your yeast has gone through its lag log phase. Don't make uh, zinc, zinc because it's sucked up super fast. You know, uh, if anybody of you, you made mead uh, or done any sort of like a f staggered uh, 
feeding on uh, nutrients. That's why that's why you need to do this is to get you have to stay ahead of the curve. Once you're over the hump, then zinc isn't going to help you with uh, this. Uh, you can you can rouse. Uh, you can add uh, you can add some croissant. Uh, but my preferred method is to throw another pack of dried yeast. Uh, I prefer if you used ours, but you can use anything you've got. Uh, the reason being is that what we have to do to yeast in order for it to come out of uh, a dehydrated state has all... Uh, it's got everything you need to kickstart a fermentation. So, uh, and I would recommend either our CBC one or uh, EC eleven eighteen uh, or the Voss or the uh, Omega's Letra. So that quite straight will should chew everything up and dry it dry you out you know and think about most of and and all it's going to do is going to going to polish it it's there for polish you're not getting any flavor out of it you're not getting any more alcohol out of it you're not really doing much of anything because all of all of your flavor has been built at the onset of your primary ferment so uh what that dried yeast will do uh at the ass end is uh unstick your stuck that makes any sense Gotcha. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, so zinc uh, continued here. Uh, pardon me, uh, uh, beating this drum. Uh, it's key for uh, all of uh, all of these uh, factors. Uh, uh, most important being the essential component of the enzymes and coenzymes in the pathways in the uh, the cell uh, cell membrane, which accelerates the maltose and maltotriose uh, uptake, leading to, I don't like faster fermentation, but correct and healthy fermentation. So a few last important factors here to consider. I uh, cannot ignore uh, the importance of minerals in the in your ferments. Uh, uh, magnesium, calcium, zinc are uh, your kind of key ones that you should be thinking about. Zinc uptake is rapid and complete. Uh, low zinc is problematic in getting a, a fermentation to uh, uh, to finish out uh, your Overall requirements are going to be different from uh, propagation versus fermentation. Uh, low levels will uh, impact adversely on uh, you know, basically stress resistance. What you're going to get there is some off flavors or aromas and then fermentation and flocculation performance. So stuff isn't going to drop out uh, or it's not going to finish out. So yeast preconditioning may alleviate stress and boost fermentation. Really, that's for that's for like, I mean, think about a prop. Like you want to you want to make a prop to do a, to do a ferment. I mean, that's always going to be your best way to go. 
even though our stuff is fine out of the gate, sorry, out of the sachet as it were, you know, uh, but if you're, uh, if you've harvest and are storing yeast, uh, uh, irregardless of where you got it from in the first place, you know, dried liquid, wild harvested, whatever, uh, bottle dregs, uh, yeah, a prop is, is always, uh, a good way to go. Oh, so zinc, uh, go ahead. Yeah. And a question in the, uh, chat here from Doug. So what are the, oh, sorry, I, I can't, I can't see any of that stuff. I'm in, I'm yeah. in presentation mode here. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Nope. That's why I'm watching it. Um, so what are the O2 concerns when adding new yeast after a few days of a stuck fermentation? Is there enough oxygen to feed the new yeast? I will get to that. Uh, I've got a minute on, uh, on O2, what it is, why it's important and what it actually delivers to your ferment. We got, uh, got another question. Uh, are you supposed ahead. to prop up dried yeast? No, actually. And Ooh. kudos to kudos to the guys at Fermentus who push the easy to use thing. Uh, because honestly, like for what most people do, pitching it dry is always going to deliver a better result than trying to rehydrate or trying to do a prop or, or any of that business. So if you've got, uh, if you've got dried yeast that, uh, that is packaged correctly, it's why we have the, uh, the vacuum seal on all of our sachets so that you know that the, the seal isn't compromised. Uh, uh, dried yeast will go anywhere between two and five years once it's in the package, the codes on the back, uh, it's cheap enough. There's, there's no reason to roll the dice with a dried yeast out of code, although you could and make a prop and you're going to get a great pitch out of that. Uh, but by and large, uh, uh, propping dried yeast is not necessary. Thanks. Yep. I uh, put this slide in here because uh, I think it's super fun and it shows how fast zinc gets sucked up by yeast when it's in its uh, uh, lag or reproduction phase. So look at the picture at the top right of the screen. That's the, that's the uh, concentration of yeast within the cells. Uh, as it's been, uh, you know, you've put your servomyces in uh, at the start of fermentation. Now look as it's gone through a, a single one uh, uh, split. So it's created a daughter cell and boom, look at where all the zinc is gone. So like your, your content is almost zero after an hour. That's why you want to make sure that you've got enough up front uh, in order to uh, uh, to do uh, to do the job. So that's how zinc is uh, accumulated or dispersed uh, in uh, in yeast as it's uh, as it's dividing. And and this is this is going to be important when we get into the glucose uh, repression. 
uh, here uh, in just a minute. So O2, you're talking about O2. Uh, O2 is key for the growth factor in yeast. Uh, it doesn't take much, and that's why your splash method, slosh method, uh, you can run through a little uh, a little stone or a bubbler. Uh, you're looking around uh, oh, oh, one part per million per Play-Doh. So uh, it's, uh, it doesn't take a lot. And really what, what O2 is important for and what the yeast is after is uh, sterile and uh, unsaturated uh, fatty acids uh, uh, for synthesis of uh, the cell wall it's basically it's it uh, oxygen is yoga for yeast right it makes it flexible lets things pass through pass out uh, uh, and it's really it's in it's it's producing uh, ergosterol and oleic acid uh, through enzyme uh, reaction uh, uh, at uh, at the cell wall that's why you want O2 uh are these uh are these two uh two functions uh, uh and it, yeah and it all comes down it's the yoga membrane integrity so letting stuff uh in and let stuff out it also helps protect the cell against uh, ethanol tolerance uh and uh and also uh uh, uh sugar uh mobilization pathway uh, fun fact, uh, oleic acid and, uh, ergosterol can also be obtained via olive oil. Uh, new Belgium brewing ran a big study, which is, uh, I've got in my library. It's available online in some, it, it's on the interwebs, which is where I pulled it from. But they ran a study about where they ran production batches of fat tire with olive oil versus O2. Uh, fermentation and fermentation performance was nearly identical. Uh, there was no flavor impact. The only reason they did not adopt the method on a production basis uh, was uh, the fact that they already had uh, O2 infrastructure built in uh, uh, and uh, cost is marginal. So uh, I've uh, hard cider. We were talking about that. I've used olive oil as my aeration <laughs> cheat. Uh, yeah. For uh, forever. Uh, dosage is a eyedropper or basically uh, I use a toothpick into olive oil and let one drop off into five gallons of ferment up to 1060. Uh, anything beyond that, uh, I put two drops in, uh, I've had healthy and successful ferments. So now back to the question. <laughs> yeah. Olive oil. Normal uh, or extra virgin? 
uh, I, I think I've got I've got extra virgin upstairs. So, and do you, uh, do you have to worry about sanitizing it, or do you add it add it to hot water? No, no. Okay. It's 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 one drop of uh, of uh, of oil uh in a homebrew batch you know you're dominating the fermentation and the microbial conditions uh what you're picking up out of that drop uh is not going to impact or has hasn't impacted any of my ferments uh, to date so uh although in their study they may have had a pasteurization or a sterilization step before they uh before they did you know 600 kegs worth of fat tire that <laughs> they would have to they would have to dump or blend out uh that's totally but, crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah but the question was uh uh o2 like a secondary o2 addition yeah uh correct yeah if if you're on a stock fermentation does the wort or the beer i guess at that point still have enough o2 to support the new pack of yeast if you're pitching another yeast to finish up that fermentation yeah usually yeah usually it's not o2 that's your issue when it comes to a stuck ferment uh it's uh it's some other factor uh what you can do uh to help like and really really it's it's high gravity brews that cause this problem right you're trying to do an imperial something and uh and it's not finishing out to where you want it to be usually usually nutrition aside it's uh it's pitch rate meaning not enough yeast is in there to do the job what i've done in the past both on a personal and professional level is consider the onset of my fermentation as a prop so if you can calculate your fermentation curve right you know where your og is you know where your final gravity is targeted to be you split that in half you're good at adding a little o2 at the front end of that curve right uh and what that will do is will help build cell mass which will in turn help you dry that batch out so that's the only time i would ever add o2 after the initial uh charge does that make sense perfect yeah thank you All right, so we talked about, you know, upside, um, you know, yeast doesn't care about your recipe. I'm going to fuck about what you're, well, what you're trying to do, you know, what the beard is that you're trying to market. You know, it's sucking up nutrients uh, uh, so it can do its job in regards to reproduction, which is metabolizing everything that you've given it as food. So, and there's a variety of means that the cell uses to suck up and spit out uh, what it is that we're feeding them. 
So uh, uh, collation. So what's the what's the composition of the of the component in and of itself? How does it absorb uh, and absorb, meaning go in and out? And then what's the size of what it is that we're trying to feed? Uh, and there's a different bunch of different ways, you know, or areas within the cell that uh, uh, provides that engine. But let's take a look at the complexity of what the cell membrane looks like. I mean, good God. Uh, I mean, you spend a semester, you know, in college looking at all of this stuff and learning, uh, learning about, uh, about all the different pathways uh, that uh, a cell uses to move uh, food in uh, and the metabolites out. What we're worried about here are really the transport mechanisms. So how do we get uh, uh, nutrients uh, into uh, the, the cell wall uh, so it is healthy and it can do what uh, we, uh, we want it to do? And really, there's, uh, there's a few different uh, transport channels that, uh, that the yeast cell uses uh, to move everything that we're trying to feed it. So uh, there's uh, free diffusion, uh, uh, so readily uh, pass, uh, passable uh, uh, nutrients, uh, facilitated, so uh, 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 enzyme-activated gateways that will allow uh, uh, elements to pass uh, through, uh, through the wall. There's uh, diffusion channels, which are really protein driven. So it's kind of like a, oh, uh, uh, you're not trying to push a, a square peg through a round hole. It's like, oh, here's the round hole I can go through. Oh, here's, I'm square peg, here's a square hole I can go through. And then there's active transport. So this is, uh, this is where we need uh, some of uh, some of those uh, nutrients uh, to really open the gateway to allow uh, uh, a, uh, a transfer of, uh, of the nutrient. So and this is this is key. We talk about why our trace uh, uh, nutrients are important because it's those trace elements that are opening and closing these doorways. And this is where you really start worrying about maltose, maltotriose. Uh, 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 the cell isn't going to utilize those unless, uh, unless that's open. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, glucose uh, repression and really uh, uh, it's part of the conversation about uh, sugar uptake. So we've got uh, uh, the five major sugar-ish types here, glucose, fructose, maltose, maltotriose, and dextrins. Uh, uh, up in the key, uh, it's really... It's glucose uh, 
uh, is what is being metabolized first. So kind of followed by maltose. And you look at the degree drop on the chart. So the green line down here, you see it's got the most steep angle, which means uh, the yeast is consuming that sugar first uh, before it gets into maltose, certainly before it gets into maltotriose. If you see the degree of drop, you know, 24 hours versus 120 hours uh for that uh, that sugar uh that sugar type fructose will go uh uh quick but this is a wort based off of malt not fruit so that's going to skew this why is that important well we'll talk about philly sour here in a minute but really so if you know your yeast is going to go come out of the gate hard and fast and in the first 24 hours, it's going to chew the first sugar it sees, glucose, which is a basic. What, what does it have left to handle everything else? So there's, there's your slide. That'll give you a clue as to what glucose repression is all about, why it's so important to, to approach fed batch ferments uh, with the uh, staggered nutrient uh, uh, additions uh uh it's because of uh the uh most yeast strains <coughs> character on uh, on how it uh, how it chews sugar and then really you know fermentation problems when it comes to you know nutrients or lack thereof first and foremost you have to worry about is uh high glucose repression so if uh the yeast through its uh, metabolization of glucose has sucked everything up. It's not going to have anything else for uh, the rest of the wort sugar spectrum, which is not small. Uh, and that will lead to a stuck ferment. So, uh, and then here's some other, uh, some other issues that can come uh, from, um, uh, nutrient uh, uh, deficiencies. <coughs> so a few conclusions here. You need to strive to achieve the balance between yeast growth, which is really what the yeast cell wants to do, and fermentation, which is what we want to, it to do. How we do that is how we build or feed it. So uh, how we build our wort and uh, nutrition factors uh, need careful consideration uh, in, uh, in that reproach. So I think we've covered all five of these points here. Yeah. Uh, I'm not here to sell you anything, uh, but uh, one of the nutrient uh, 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 options that you've got out there uh, the servomyces for zinc, which is one of the, the key basics, and the Yeast Life Extra, uh, which is uh, our blend. Honestly, Yeast Life Extra is really hard to, to uh, we've only, there's only a few shops out there that are packing that down. So your, your yeast nutrient blend, uh, I mean, you'll find Y yeast freaking everywhere. So it's what I use. I love it. 
you want to dig a little deeper in uh, nutrition? Um, the guy that does our specialized lecture at Siebel oh. is uh, uh, Graham. Uh, shit, what's Graham's last name? Uh, old English dude that like knows more than we'll ever learn. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, he uh, he runs our uh, not only uh, lecture on nutrition but uh, a few other ones, uh, uh, and you can find all that stuff at Siebel. Specialized lectures cost seventy to a hundred bucks. Take an hour to two hours based on whatever it is that you want to learn. Uh, all that stuff is cumulative uh, and you can build to uh, the concise course. Yeah, did you uh, put frozen french fries in there? Uh, here's some contact info, some other uh, digital uh, 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 portals for you to take a gander at if you so choose. And we're all over the social uh, interwebs, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure there's other stuff that I'm not even uh, even thinking of. All right. There you go. Yammer, yammer, yammer. <laughs> Awesome. That was, I, I didn't, I mean, nutrient has been probably one of my, my most lacking areas of brewing. So I had no idea how important it was to really pull out, you know, the best beer. Dude, I did. That's I, honestly, I shit you not. That's just a, that's a, that's a scratch of the surface. I mean, just like everything in brewing, you know, I mean, you can really go down a freaking rabbit hole. You know, but there, there comes a point of diminishing return. You know, it's like, uh, mm -hmm. dude, you mean I could just like, you know, my, again, your five and a half ferment that you're going to do once you're not harvesting yeast, you know, you're just looking to get that out of the gate by and large, you've got everything you need right there. So, uh, but you can turn this into, you know, hyper complex, uh, based on what it is that you're trying to do and really where nutrition comes into play is when you're trying to control your fermentation. Okay, so you make a pale ale. You love this pale ale. You want it to be the same now, the same 10 years from now. You know, use use a nutrient. It just helps. That's just like one factor that you can control. You're going you're gonna to harvest yeast and use that for the next three, six months. Use a nutrient. You know, the healthier your yeast is when it goes into stasis, the healthier it's going to be when it comes out. Uh, stress of ferment. So you're going to add acid, throw that into the mix. You're going to add uh, 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 alcohol, you know, or more sugar than it can, you know, more food than it can handle. Uh, yeah, you'll need to help it out a little bit. Yeah, that was... That was crazy. And now, I mean, I mean, I'm sure people are waiting here asking questions. So if you guys have questions, drop them in the chat. Hey, look at that. Oh my gosh. Single mall. I'm going gonna to wet my whistle here a little bit. Uh, I have been uh, drinking during the talk. Uh, <laughs> my last, my last can of the celebration ale. Oh, is that this year's? 
Yeah, yeah. Haven't had a chance yet. I'm hoping to get some here soon in Wisconsin. It's tasty. <laughs> I bet. All right. So Q and A. Uh, like I said uh, earlier, I'm long in tooth. I've done a lot of shit. I have opinions on pretty much everything. Uh, not all of them are right, but I'll tell you what I think. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yes. Uh, it's not what we do. Right. So, uh, we do not have either the facility or infrastructure to, uh, support, uh, producing liquid yeast and making any money off of it. So that Siebel catalog that I was talking about earlier, uh, we do have customers that we sell Siebel liquid strains to, but it's nothing that you would ever want to spend money on. Like, I mean, we charge a boatload for it, you know, and a lot of times these guys are buying a little bit. They're big production facilities. They're using these as a, a prop seed. So getting a strain into a liquid uh, a of, of medium and then out to you in a healthy fashion it's not what we do that being said we do make liquid yeast right so we have to prop it we have to grow it we have to dry it out uh we actually have to go through a more elaborate uh and convoluted process than any of the liquid manufacturers do uh, not only do we have to grow the shit, we got to dry it back out you know, like, uh, what the hell? Uh, uh, and it's not easy. Um, you know, the upside of liquid strains is the variety. You know, uh, uh, we've worked hard at building our catalog uh, of, uh, of unique and dried strains, you know, that are based on successful performance. So we've, we've tried to produce a bunch of different shit and we've made a lot of garbage, a lot of dogs, you know, they're just like, Nope, that's not it. <laughs> you know, you can dry. I mean, we dry anything out. It's getting it to come back to do what we want it to do. There's the crux. So uh, yeah, our guys in the lab uh, stay super busy. And it's one of the reasons why we've kind of partnered up with the guys at Renaissance uh because they are they're another yeast science company so they understand what it is that we have to 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 deal with uh uh and they've been great uh collaborators with our r d team in uh in montreal not at like all of our baking yeast not all of it most of our baking yeast is liquid uh most of our uh animal nutrition yeast is liquid or paste uh so like we don't dry everything out uh but uh but for what we're trying to do with the the brewing the distilling 
the analogy uh uh biofuels dude that's all dried why you you you, you know somebody that that wants to sell <laughs> you know and like and like the siebel stuff i mean we've like we like we, i mean this is really how we started talking with omega you know about doing their lutra is like we wanted them to like dude you're in chicago fucking grow some siebel strains you know that would be that would be great and uh and we still don't have our heads wrapped around it yet, but that's that's where Lutra came from. So all right, what else? Uh yeah, I had a question. Since uh only specific uh dry yeast strains or I guess specific yeast can be dried, do you guys have to tweak existing strains to be well, I guess more dryable? Uh, I mean, the only way that we tweak them is we we basically jack them up with uh, 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 nutrients sterols uh, prior to the uh, the the drying process. But no, I mean we've got four thousand strains in our yeast bank uh, plus a god another. It, two to three thousand through our research partners um uh there's no lack of source material to work with it's best that we bank on the natural basically metabolic activity of the cell as opposed to us trying to force it to do something that it doesn't want to do if we're going to go that route then we're going to talk with the renaissance renaissance folks who go through uh, hybridization techniques similar to cross-pollination. Pick a flower, roses, tulips, whatever. I mean, that's how they're, that's how they're uh, evolving yeast uh, up there. And then we have Moscoma that does all of our genetics. So Sour VCA, uh, which is a huge seller for us, uh you guys don't have access yet on the homebrew front but it's coming uh in the uh in a 10 gram sachet so that's a gmo strain so that's neutral english ale strain that we've flicked a switch to produce lactic acid in tandem with ethanol uh you know and that gets into a whole different fucking conversation about okay what do you want yeast to do you know my take is uh like Dude, I don't need your vanilla flavored yeast, banana, raspberry yeast strain, right? You solve a problem for me, right? Make acid, uh, uh, improve flocculation, uh, you know, solve a problem. Like th that's, that's what I'd like to see. And I think that's what the Kvike strains are doing for a lot of folks is that, yeah, okay, you can consider it as an ingredient or you can consider it as a process aid. Look how many problems the Kvikes are, are solving uh, in terms of time, temperature, uh, uh, getting a successful, successful ferment out of the gate, especially as a, as a noob. Uh, 
I, I love the Quebec strains and I look forward to, uh, to working with them more in the future. Yeah. And sort of speaking of which, yeah, you mentioned that the dry yeast you have available kind of the ones you use are naturally more able to be dried. So could a home brewer take dried yeast, propagate it and dry it in a similar way as Kvike? Uh, you could, yes. Uh, yes, you could. And there's some, there are some that would be better than others. Uh, would you be able to say which ones those are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hang on a second. What the fuck was that? I was just looking at this the other day. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, God damn it. It always gets me when, uh, I hear Americans saying quick. Wait, you say it how? Quick. Quick? Uh, you, say, you, you, you say it with an I. Uh, you should yeah. also say it with, with an A <laughs> in, the, in the pronunciation. Quick. Uh, I love that. Uh, who are you? Where are you at? Iceland, Eddie. Okay, well, you're closer than us, so I'm going to, I will defer to you. Quick. Uh, like cake. Yeah. Thanks not, for not the tip. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cake. Yeah, cake. Uh, perfect. All right. Uh... All right. The ones that do well at drying are the Windsor. The Belle Saison, uh, that farmhouse, the Munich, and the Nottingham. <coughs> the ones that don't do well are the Abbey, the Diamond, the BRY, the New England, the Verdant, uh, the Philly. Uh, yeah, in terms of like temperature stability. Uh, that's kind of how those are split. Yeah. How did you guys find that out? Did you try drying them at a more yeah. homebrew level? Yeah. No, this is, uh, this is all done in the lab. It really came as, uh, the back end of, uh, complaints from some of our distributors that were moving our yeast around. And, you know, we asked her like, well, dude, like, how are you treating it? Like, are you just like putting it in a box and sending it out the door, you know, and, to Texas in July. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so did uh, did studies at a variety of different temperatures to determine uh, uh, temp stability and uh, timing. So all of those strains that I mentioned that would be suitable for drying, uh, those showed uh, resistance uh, for over two weeks, over 45 degrees C, before a reduction of, of viability. So, and that's right where the kvikes uh, kind of fall into, uh, into play. So if you dry the yeast out gently in a, in a dehydrator, you know, and you don't top 110, you, you'll, you'll, you'll keep some dried yeast around. I'm not, yeah. not guaranteeing you the condition, like microbial condition in terms of uh, purity, uh, but, <laughs> Hell, 
who knows you might have come up with a house string, so. right, yeah if, if yeah. yeah i'll definitely have to do it with one of the ones you guys send out <laughs> uh do you have the channel right. confirmed? uh i do all right let's yeah, see here. i got a couple in here yeah okay let's uh let's start the bottom i'll work up Jay, is there an ideal temperature for dried yeast storage? Yes, uh, in your refrigerator. Uh, that's the best. Uh, aside from that, you can keep it in like a root cellar. So 55 degrees or less. And, uh, and that's better than, uh, than room temp. But throw it in the fridge. Uh, it's still a critter. You want to treat it nice. I prefer dried, easy to store, easy to use. Uh, true that you just might not get all of the, uh, the varieties you want to play with, uh, Doug. Uh, and that's where, uh, some of the liquid providers, uh, really, uh, really shine. So yeah, 4,000 strains. We got a lot to work with and like, well, we've got 19 fake strains, sorry, uh, 19 different fake strains that we're working with right now. And, and the issue there is when they come in, they're, co they come in mixed cultures. So we got to plate everything out, look for the dominant strains, put those through the paces, do the test ferments. You know, is this going to give us what we want? So uh, it's half the fun. The guys in the lab have fun. They drink a lot of beer. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, the difference between dried yeast now versus what dried yeast was uh, night and day. It's not just us. It's not just Fermentus. It's the other players. So you've got uh, Angel Yeast in China, uh, AB Maori uh, uh, down in uh, uh, Australia, New Zealand, AB out of uh, out of Italy. Uh, uh, all these guys are producing much better brewing strains, dried brewing strains than anything that we were playing around with. 10, 15 plus years ago. So, uh, da, 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 cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how do we come across new strains? Much of it is, you remember how I said how, uh, you know, you guys get to brew what you want to make versus a commercial brewer that has to make what sells. So, that, goddamn new england strain uh, <laughs> uh even the verdant verdant strain you know to a point i mean you know much is data driven so we know ipas are the biggest selling category you know ever you know so to pander to that that uh niche is important for us as a company as much as I might bitch and moan about it, uh, that verdant strain, although is is pretty, it's pretty nice strain. Uh, the New England I have no use for. The only like contributing factor is its peach note, and if I want a peach beer, I'm going to use peaches. So uh, that's just me bitching, moaning. Uh, um, the farmhouse strain we came out with. Part of that was a lot of the work that we were doing with the folks up at Renaissance, but also 
part of that was we wanted to add something to the catalog that would address that Saison-ish, farmhouse-ish category that was non-diastaticus. So I know that there's uh, some folks out there that don't want to be bring a diastaticus strain into their system, plant, house, whatever. Uh, so that's uh, where that came from. Uh, it makes a great blonde. I wouldn't use it for a saison, but again, that's just me. Uh, I mean, uh, saison Dupont is like my standard, and if I, I match any saison up to that uh, across the board, you want to do a beer de Garde? You want to do a beer de Mars? Then okay, let's talk about that. But no, saison to saison, so don't fuck with it. Uh, lager. We've been working on lager for the last two years with uh with marginal success uh i mean the diamond is such just a freaking rock star and it does a great job uh but uh in just being beer geeks ourselves and talking with the renaissance guys about hybridization and what we could do with a lager strain uh looking at uh, low to no diacetyl low to no uh, h2s uh is uh is appealing uh in uh in coming up with the new uh with the new lager strain so that's coming up our tagline our marketing line is we brew with you i'm i'm not the only industry guy that is in here acting as sales like damn near every single one of us is um uh, uh our california Southwest rep. I mean, he brewed for Lagunitas, Hen House, uh, Firestone Walker. Uh, Dixon, who handles uh, the, the Midwest, he was with uh, Dogfish Head and uh, Idly uh, uh, as brewer. Molly, out on the East Coast, she ran barrel program for Garrett at Brooklyn. You know, like we're all dorks. You know, we like beer. So, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we keep, uh, you know, our eyes, ears, taste buds on what's, uh, what's going on and, uh, try to, uh, try, try to address, uh, try to address, uh, stuff as it comes up. You know, we've got a little, uh, little drinking group that's part of, uh, you know, innovation group within the, within the team. Um, so yeah, so that's how we uh, that's how we come up with uh, with new strains. Uh, all right, moving up the chat here a little bit. Curious if a magnesium addition is necessary at the homebrew level. And I've read recommended. No, not unless you're going acid. Not unless you're going imperial. Then just get a get a nutrient blend. You'll be fine. Most popular yeast in our catalog, on the commercial level, it's the sour VCA. Uh, without hands down. Over and above, next one would be uh, Nottingham. I think it goes uh, Nottingham, BRY, uh, Voss, and then I lose it on the homebrew side. It's Nottingham, uh, hands down, by and large, because Nottingham is included in a lot of kits. Uh, so that's where I see, you know, that, that sales. Um, that's all I know about, about, about on the homebrew side. 
Nottingham is also a beast of a yeast. Yes, oh, it is. Uh, it's it's a it's a monster. Dries yeah. well. You know, every time we you know we make a batch and and like when we make a batch in Nottingham, we're making four tons at a time. Oh, right. It's a shit ton of yeast. Yeah. Uh, and every batch we get is over four tons. So it surpasses our expected uh, yield uh, consistently. So, yeah, no, we, we love Nottingham. You know, what we needed to do way back when, what we sh and which is what we're doing now, is make sure that all the Nottingham, just like every yeast that we put out, is good, clean yeast. Like our yeast is cleaner than pretty much every liquid thing that you will get from Omega, White Labs, Y yeast. Uh, we dump a few batches. Now, I, let, me, let me take that back. We dump a lot of batches, especially the yeast that's hard to, to make. New England. New England is a bitch to make. Like it doesn't like to dry out at all. Uh, so we have to send a lot of that down the drain. But when I say send it down the drain, meaning we sell it to the food ingredients division of Lollamond, which will cook the shit out of it and add it into like savory ingredients. Right. <laughs> yeah. So nothing ever gets lost per se. We, we just dish it off. <laughs> to one of the divisions that doesn't have such a high micro spec that brewing does so our plant in vienna the only thing it does other than brewing yeast is yeast for our pharmaceutical division because we're such assholes about it's got to be clean like enough of it no more garbage you can't put that stuff out <laughs> anymore yeah don't put baking yeast in a sachet and say yeah it'll make beer well it will make beer it's just a matter of will it make good beer? So yeah, that's where we're at. I think All that's right. the well, end of the questions at the top of the chat, but I do have some in the bottom here. All right, go for it. Let's see here. Uh H2S technology, logger strain. Yes. Yes, Ben. Uh that's exactly what we're doing. Uh we've got test. So it's successfully dried. They're making test batches now. We'll put test batches in the hands of commercial brewers over the next six months to get field data. Because what we do in the lab is very different from what a guy is gonna do in this seven barrel brew house, right? So we want all that shit in before we go to market, which will be, they said by homebrew con, I call bullshit. Uh, uh, if I can have sour VCA in a sachet by homebrew con, I'll be happy, but the lager yeast isn't going to be until fall. Uh, so yeah, that's coming. It's coming. Farmhouse. Yes. Is non GMO. Uh, farmhouse was produced uh, via hybridization. So, and I've got a whole other half hour presentation on that. If y'all are interested. <laughs> I got a ton of shit. I'll talk your ear off. <laughs> uh, used farmhouse the other day. Ferment. Awesome saison. You liked it. Good. Okay. So did it dry out? I'm curious, Mark, where your final ended up on the farmhouse. Spill. Deet.
Mark. There we go at the bottom of the chat. 1.008. Nice. Mark, Mark is muted. Maybe he's trying All to right. speak. No, that's fair enough. 1008. Dude, that dried out. No bitching there. Okay. Uh, I haven't I haven't fermented with it myself. I've just looked at the fermentation data and I've got such a love, a biased view of the Belle Saison, the French Saison. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's, it'll be it's garbage. It's garbage. <laughs> that's good uh thank you mark i appreciate that feedback uh strain to testing the market depends on the strain really first and foremost is that we uh we uh we clean it up we put it through uh, a lab uh bench trial uh drying and if uh fermentation performance checks out right so all the data the numbers okay yes it did this it did that uh we'll put it through a second round for flavor uh if it passes on flavor uh then we'll uh then it goes to the r d group for consideration so like the kvike was under a year uh this logger's been over two uh the verdant took about no, not quite four three and a half so it just depends on the strain but really will it perform once it once it's rehydrated from a dried state that's that's the big hurdle and we can get that done in just a few weeks well thank you for the comment on the verdant yeah uh i think it's a great strain uh has a high expression of uh beta lyase uh in addition to beta glucosidase so it impacts uh, biotransformation uh as does uh the bry uh as does that new england as does the colm they are all yeast strains that have high expressions of those uh, enzymes for uh for uh, impact uh on uh on aroma flavor in uh, late edition hopping new england is not a version of conan conan is more similar to the verdant than it is uh, new england which is london three which is kind of where i think that, that all that stuff comes from verdant in the mail yesterday jay where did you buy that i'm curious You're buying online at brewchatter.com. Okay, cool. Thank you, sir. Yeah, fruity, definitely. Stone fruit. Uh, yeah, punks, pump, punches, punches that note, definitely. Da -da, da -da, Nottingham, good. Covers it. The origin of lager strain, 3470. So, mm -hmm. biggest lager strain sold in the world. That's where uh, that's where that comes from. It's there for a reason. It's a it's a it's a workhorse. It's a it's a hardy strain. Takes a lot of abuse, which just means it uh, it dries well. So, all right, not one fucking Philly sour question in here. That's the one I was like all worked up about. 
like, I, I got was about, to, together, I was about to ask you. We're all waiting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, so what, what is your one-on-one for Philly Sour on, uh, if I want to make a good, uh, you know, blonde sour ale with it, what, what would I need to do with the boxes I have to check? All right. Uh, first thing is uh, make sure that you've got a well-modified malt and use a fruit if you want to. So Philly Sour is a non-sac strain. It's a Lysantia thermotolerance strain. It's unique unto itself, or so they say upstairs. Uh, we, we, one of our partners is the lab sciences folks at uh, University of Philadelphia. They're a grad student program, whatever was doing a project on uh harvesting native yeasts so the original name of uh philly sour was gry some number uh the gry stands for graveyard because they swabbed this off of a maple leaf at whatever local graveyard that is right there by the school and they figured out it's like oh shit this makes ethanol and acid at the same time like this is something a little different uh they did through all the you know the the genetic uh rigmarole to figure out that now this is something uh, unique unto itself um uh, farber who's the uh, dr farber who runs that lab is friends with my boss uh sylvie vezendyke uh, PhD lab scientist, blah, blah, blah. Uh, again, one of those smart people that like have learned more than I'll ever know. Uh, so they started talking about this strain. I'm like, Hey, we've found this. And next thing you know, does it have commercial viability? Uh, is this something that might be of interest to the crowd? Uh, let's put it on the market. So that's where Philly sour came from. If you, look at its fermentation curve what it's doing is it's producing acid at the onset so it's taken those simple sugars glucose fructose sucro, sucrose uh it's metabolizing that into lactic acid primarily before it gets into ethanol production it's not as rabid as most ale strains it'll take 10 days to finish out you have to have a well-modified malt or wort in terms of composition. Uh, it benefits from fruit or an, or that type of sugar adjunct up front. Uh, also benefits from using a secondary strain to finish. Uh, we're talking about stuck fermentation. Philly sour will stick. Uh, if, uh, if you're, if it's not treated right up front, uh, so pitch a pack or give it a pitch of, uh, something at the back end to help finish the maltose, maltotrios, some of the complex sugars out. Uh, how about pitch rate for fifth hour? Pardon me? Pit, the pitch rate. I've heard the pitch rate is kind of high. You can, uh, it benefits from an elevated pitch rate if you don't plan, if you want it to dry out on its own. 
if you want to hit it at the back end uh, with something to finish out, then uh, uh, you know a one sachet is fine, but two is recommended. Big deal here is that is that you're stressing the yeast before it gets to do what we want it to do, which is make booze and to dry out. So it's producing an acidic condition that it then has to <laughs> do, do its job. So that's why a nutrient is going to be key. Uh, and consider an elevated uh, pitch rate, uh, uh, really based on alcohol. If you're going to do something four and a half, five percent, one sachet will probably get you there. And do bigger than that, might want to go to. <laughs> but irregardless, expect on, expect on the time, right? Just bank on 10 days. Bobble. No. No. The, the Philly sour is a wild yeast. Yeah? Don't have any here. That's it right there. That shit. And no, it's not. It's not wild yeast. We've cultured this, right? We've tamed this bastard. There's nothing wild about this. This is there for a reason. Yeah. But yeah, it is. Uh, it is non-saccharomyces. So, wow. Lysantia, thermotolerans, the sour VCA. That is straight up GMO manufactured by Boscoma. Uh, there are, uh, there's the genetics lab that we ended up buying, I don't know, five or six years or so ago when we figured out, like we were sending all of our shit off for testing. And then we realized like, dude, the only thing these guys are doing is our testing. So that's why we bought them. And then like a little bit after that, it was at a, like a, a conference and like some the the dudes in the lab were just like you know we uh we made a yeast <laughs> like you did what <laughs> like yeah we made a yeast it makes acid and out al and alcohol at the same time uh and that's where sour vca came from so they've got a few other ones that are in the wings but uh yeah they want to focus on flavors i don't give a fuck about flavor like I don't, I don't want your raspberry yeast. I want your vanilla yeast. Like solve, solve, solve a problem. Uh, then, then, then let's have a talk. So, more, more to come on the GMO front. I got a question. Oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, so, I guess maybe it's just I should just read this. But what's the distinction other than their origin between sour vicia and Philly sour? flavor-wise and such? Uh, sour VCA is a neutral clean. So think uh, you want to make a, uh, like a Goza, you want to make a, uh, a Berliner Weiss, you want to make uh, just a lactic clean beer. Uh, sour VCA is going to be better than the Philly, which also produces lactic acid, but it's got a, there's a flavor note to it. It has a flavor impact, whereas the sour VCA is straight up neutral. Great for downstream blending, you know, which a lot of guys do on the craft side because that sour VCA will go to 2.8 pH. I mean, just like, yeah, strip well, the enamel, like punch you in the throat. Yeah, you know, make so, Coca-Cola with it. 
Yeah. So, so doing, doing a dilution or doing an addition at the back end is, is best suited for sour VCA front end fermentation. I think the Philly sour is key because again, especially if it works well with fruit, it's a great fruit fermenter. Uh, and it's using a lot of those simple sugars that you're getting out of fruit in its metabolization. So that's how I'd approach it. Awesome. Uh, Will says, uh, any info, inside info on how long it took Lectra to be brought uh, dry? Uh, wasn't long. Took about a year. So we were talking with them about uh, Siebel. Uh, and then we got into like, how about we dry one of your strains? Uh, you know, Lectra is kind of a no brainer. It's not part of our portfolio. So there's no conflict of interest there. I think it actually benefits us. Lollamond, the perception of dried yeast by having somebody like Omega on board, you know, they know what they know what they're talking about. They know what they're doing. They're not going to put out shit into the market. Uh, so that's where uh, that's where the lecture came from. And then the other parts actually attached to the breaker down in this area here. Uh, never used Nottingham, but I have some in my fridge. And we got a favorite style recipe for it. Anything English. Uh, yeah, it's a nice neutral strain. Uh, it's a great pseudo lager strain. Uh, it's uh, it, it will ferment uh, well down into the high 50s uh, and stay uh, stay nice and clean. It'll just take a little, you just got a little bit of time there. Staggered pitch with the Philly sour, the Bell Saison. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So you've built acid, you've developed a little bit of flavor uh, out of the Philly. Uh, you hit it with the Belle Saison, which is going to chew through everything else to dry that to dry that thing out. Uh, I wouldn't have any problem with that uh, uh, that schedule. Uh, sour blood orange. Hit with the kids. Is that Sour Patch Kids from uh, who does that? Doug. Uh, no, my kids. kids. Uh, my my kids are above college age, so they all <laughs> love it. I was I was not. I'm not a fan of sours, but my son hit me with a challenge uh, six months into learning how to brew that he wanted a sour fruited IPA, hmm. and. Uh, I would not have been able to pull it off if not for that yeast. So thank you for that. Challenge accepted. That's funny. Uh, let's see here. Da -da, da -da. Yeah. Yeah. Email for a copy of the presentation. I'm happy to send that out. Uh, da -da -da. Belgian Appy, high glycerol producer. How do we drive the high ester phenyl profile? hot open definitely hot fermentation don't go above 75 degrees fahrenheit otherwise it'll it'll get fusel uh you can I <sighs> dude i think that abby's got more character than i want honestly uh, uh you can you can under pitch it so if you're over 1060 only use one pack versus two uh, or you can stress it by not aerating, although initial pitch off the dry 
pack right into uh, your work kind of foregoes all of that. That'll help drive uh, some uh, some ester uh, ester production, but definitely keep it warm up in the seventies. Get over seventy five, it's going to get boozy. Yeah, and I, you and me both. So my basement is gutted right now because I'm doing the foundation work. I couldn't figure out how to put like a fancy background, Lollaman branded, yada, yada. Uh, so yeah, so all I've got is, uh, is the PAP sign and uh, uh, a disco ball that doesn't seem to be working at the moment. <laughs> all right, well, Love. hell, what, we're, we're two hours in here. Was that good? Was that enough? Holy awesome, shit, that is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you love don't your, mind if I'm going to email on, uh, you a bunch later. <laughs> I love your choice no. on whiskey too. So, yeah, I know. I love and drinking uh, that drinking that same thing all night. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, uh, the yeah. the ten the ten year I can actually get at my local liquor store. Uh, when I worked with Muntins, which is where I got turned on to that brand, our our guy up uh, up in Scotland, I mean, Art Beg was one of the the customers. So he'd bring all this weird shit over hmm. that uh, that we don't see in the states. But what it, my favorite Art Beg story is that he would buy, like they do a special limited like re edition release every year. Yep. So he's got two sons every year on their birthday, starting at the day of their birth, he would buy a bottle of that limited edition and when they're they're 21 they got that library of scotch oh and i was nice. like god damn it why wasn't my dad that cool <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh right that's awesome uh and i was like i was like really you trusted your boys at 21 to take the library of scotch and uh <laughs> he said one did the other one he was like no he only has access to it I'm, I, I still have it. It's in my possession. I, I, I was a fucking idiot nice. at 21. No way you'd handle that to me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Well, uh, uh, Haven, thanks for setting this up. Uh, any questions that arise from uh, Gone in Weekend? Exactly. Gone uh, the, uh, from the uh, the BRY uh, or the the Kolsch in uh, whatever project you're working on, give a holler. Anybody Absolutely. that wants a copy of this presentation, shoot me an email. Uh, and then if you ever want to have uh, this type of thing, <clears throat> I've got 60 topics I could do this exact same thing on. You just say the word. I'm happy to talk your ear off. So have you on 60 more times. <laughs> we are gonna we're gonna keep you in mind thank you so much brian that's been it's been awesome i learned a ton i'm sure everyone else learned a ton and it's been fantastic hanging out drinking with you cool uh y'all have a uh lovely weekend and uh i look forward to hearing how uh how that br way uh, uh project turns out keep keep awesome. watching the group it's going to be on there yeah if that's so cool yeah, if that's cool, I'll just I'll be a lurker. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. Awesome. Cheers, Cheers you guys. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.